You may be familiar with the story Black Hawk Down, but have you ever heard of Sea Night Down? I'll be right back. Where do I go for all my website and IT needs? I trust Maxwell White. Max takes care of all of my IT needs for all of my companies, whether it is website work such as markbowser.com or strategy and implementation of an internet ad campaign. Max has the answers. No project is too small or too large for his personal attention. That I really like. Even if I just need a little IT advice, Max always has time to listen to my needs and provide solutions to solve them. So I trust Max, and I know you can too. Contact him today at maxslink.com. That's M-A-X-S-L-I-N-K.com. As many of you are aware, I had the honor and the blessing of writing the book Some Gave It All with Danny Lane. Danny Lane is a Vietnam War hero and one of the best martial artists of all time. Some Gave It All is his story about Vietnam. You may have heard some of our earlier interviews with him. Well, today I want to share with you the true story of Sea Night Down, which Danny was a part of. And so for the next couple of episodes on Let Me Tell You a Story, we're going to share this dramatic true story. And I'm just going to read it to you. So I want you to, wherever you're at, imagine that you're curled up with a good book around a fireplace. And I'm going to read this story of Sea Night Down to you. On February 13, 1969, the Marines shut down their mountain hideaway of Firebase Javelin, which was near Laos, and prepared to take up residence at Firebase Tomahawk, which was closer to the enemy's Area Base 112. The noose was tightening, and the inevitable was right around the corner. The troops and equipment were transported by helicopter because of the surrounding dense jungle canopy and the distance that had to be covered. Danny and Fire Team No. 1 hauled their weary bodies aboard a C-46 Sea Knight helicopter, which had just landed. Joining them on board was Fire Team No. 2, which consisted of team members Walker, Cohen, Tex, and Rudy Poot. Corporate Kester and Fire Team No. 3 followed in the next helicopter. As the big chopper carrying Fire Teams 1 and 2 lifted off the ground, all eight Marines immediately took off their helmets and sat upon them. Experience had taught them well. For a while, they sailed through the air for what seemed like a vacation tour over a scenic island. Experience had also taught them, however, that brief reprieves could be a mirage. Danger was always lurking in Vietnam. On that day, it was particularly true. Out of the blue, Walker slumped over and fell off his helmet like a wino off his fruit crate in an abandoned alley. Danny rushed over to see what had happened and discovered that Walker had been shot. A sniper's bullet had, had found its prey through the hall like a pencil point through a piece of paper. We have incoming, Danny yelled towards the cockpit. Walker is down, sniper! The door gunner began to scan the horizon for the sniper. He was looking for a reflection or, or anything that might give away the enemy marksman's location. However, finding a sniper in the Vietnam jungle was like finding leftover food on a teenage boy's dinner plate. It is not going to happen. The door gunner laid down a large spread of his own bullets, hoping luck would find his target. However, luck the luck went the wrong way. The door gunner slumped over his weapon, hit by the sniper's bullet. Danny yelled to the pilots, Gunner is hit too! Pull back! Pull back! The pilot mashed down on the left foot pedal and at the same time pulled upward on the lever with his right hand, banking the chopper skyward and towards the left, hopefully out of the sniper's range. But it was too little too late. Bullets continued to penetrate the hall. 
One hit the fuel tank, and fuel began pouring out of the aircraft. Then matters went from awful to, well, no good at all. The fuel ignited, and flames began to leap up towards the aircraft. We are losing pressure and fuel, yelled the pilot, a second lieutenant just trying to survive to become a first lieutenant. We are going down. Prepare for a crash landing. The pilot then called into the radio. Dark Horse, this is Dolphin 25. We are taking fire. Going down. Coordinates 15 degrees, 44, 20.4 north, 107 degrees, 48, 36 east, 15.739, 107.81. Copy, Dolphin 25. Help is on the way, responded Dark Horse. The flaming C-46 began to spiral like a corkscrew toward the ground, which was coming closer by the second. Danny glanced over and locked eyes with the Greek. That glance said it all. Two brothers, though separated by birth and born to two different mothers, were bonded for life, a life which appeared to be near its end. Danny reached over and clasped his hand on the Greek's shoulder. The pilot glanced over his shoulder toward the Marines and yelled, This is it! Take crash positions! The Marines didn't have to be told twice. They tucked their heads and braced for the impact. A few seconds earlier, the pilot had spotted a nearby river and immediately turned the spiraling craft towards it toward it the best he could. It wouldn't be a soft landing, but it would be better than at the solid ground. The helicopter hit the water at an angle and, and turned on its side. The spinning rotor blade splintered as they hit the river and flew off in all directions. The water put out the flaming engine, but the same water was raging into the hull and engulfing the Marines. Danny and the Greek checked themselves for injuries and, and surprisingly discovered that they weren't injured. They immediately sprang into action to see about their comrades. The gunner was dead, but Walker was still alive. All the rest were not seriously injured. They grabbed what they could, including Walker, and scrambled from the sinking craft. The sound of the ricocheting bullets clinked as Danny broke a window so they could exit the craft. We have incoming. Move it, said Danny. Danny stuck his M16 out the broken window and began firing toward the incoming bullets. Greek, get everyone out of here. I will cover you. Yeah, get it done, Greek. We got this, said Wells as he joined Danny at the window and began firing his own weapon. All right, thanks, gents, said the Greek. Combat, give me a hand here. Combat and the Greek grabbed the dead body of the gunner and began dragging him out of the chopper. Meanwhile, Cohen, Tex, and Rudy Poot quickly hauled the injured walker from the craft. The pilot and co-pilot managed to slip out the front doors of the wounded bird. As the others exited... Danny moved over and took over the door gunner's position with the huge M60 machine gun. He peppered the jungle and pretty soon all was quiet. He and Wells had held off the assault, at least for now. However, it wouldn't take the enemy long to regroup. Danny lifted the M60 off its stand in the back of the chopper and hauled it and some extra ammo into the water. He and Wells made their way toward the shore. The exhausted marines gathered on the shore and formed a small perimeter to secure the area. The Greek knelt over Walker and stabilized his wound. He would live, but his leg was in bad shape. Walking was not an option. He would have to be carried out. The Marines would also have to haul the gunner's body. It would be slow going, but Marines don't leave a soldier behind, dead or alive. A distinct sound began to come over the treetops. It was the cavalry. They saw the rescue C-46 helicopter as it began to hover over the extraction point. Danny popped a red smoke grenade to pinpoint the location for the rescue pilots. It became obvious very quickly that the jungle was too dense and the chopper couldn't land. The chopper began to take on sniper fire and was forced to lift to a higher altitude and out of the firing zone. Rescue plan A had failed. 
the Marines were now on their own to form their own Rescue Plan B. What are we going to do now? After a few seconds, the pilot said, It looks like Firebase Tomahawk is probably about 10 clicks from our location. With a deep sigh, he continued, It could take us two or three days to get there on foot, if we are lucky. The pilot reached down, picked up an M16, and began issuing orders to the Marines. However, the Marines did nothing and just stared at the pilot. Exasperated and not understanding, the pilot yelled, What's wrong? Let's go, guys! What do you mean, Lieutenant? asked the Greek. What do you mean, what do you mean? Staring intently at the Greek, the pilot stated, Son, I am the highest rank soldier here. I am a second lieutenant. That means I am in charge. Sir, how many firefights, ambushes, and ground battles have you been in? Danny asks. None, stuttered the stunned pilot. With all due respect, sir, the one out here in the bush with the most experience is usually in charge. And right now, that is the Greek and me. In the air, you are in charge, Lieutenant, but down here, experience trumps rank. Now you can order us to follow your instructions and we will it probably, it all probably end up dead. Do you want that on your shoulders, Lieutenant? Danny questioned. For what seemed like an eternity, the pilot said nothing. In reality, it was probably only 15 seconds. He then looked up into Danny's eyes and said, Marine, what do you suggest? Well, sir, we are all up this creek without a paddle, but I suggest we make two gurneys for Walker and the gunner and get out of here pronto. And please take off those rank bars. Those will get you killed. The pilot and co-pilot reached up and removed their bars. The pilot then asked, Marine, what is your name? They call me Dambo, sir, but it's Danny Lane. But that is really not important. I am just a Marine trying to save our butts. How long have you been in the, in the NOM? The pilot asked. Less than four months, sir. Are you a sergeant? Daniel asked. No, sir. I am only a PFC. Watching you throw down on Charlie from the helicopter tells me you have a lot of experience. Well, sir, out here you either learn fast or you go home in a body bag. All of us have been together since day one and we're still alive. Danny pointed to the other Marines. That's the Greek, combat, and wells. We are Fire Team 1. He then points to the other Marines. Those grimy guys over there are Cohen, Tex, and Rudy Poot. Walker is the one hit. They are Fire Team 2. So, we'd better get moving. They will be all over us pretty soon. Combat, you and Wells, go wire the chopper with C4 enough to blow it to sky high. We're not going to leave anything behind. Got it? Danny ordered. Yeah, Dambo, Combat responded. We got this. The pilots agreed and the plan was made. Dan and the Greek would lead them all out of this hole. The small band spent the next few minutes constructing two makeshift gurneys out of their ponchos for Walker and the dead gunner. Danny and the Greek lifted Walker onto the gurney, then each other each took an end and boosted him into the air. Tex and Rudy Poot carried the gunner's body on the second gurney. They humped it to a nearby safe area and waited for combat and wells to blow the chopper. Combat and Wells waded across the chest-deep water and got into the half-floating chopper. They finally got it wired and, and ran the de detonation cord back onto the shore. They took cover behind some large elephant trees and blew the chopper into a million pieces. There goes another million bucks of Uncle Sam's money, the Greek smirks as pieces of the once-flying machine landed all around them. Well done, said the pilot, as Combat and Wells made their way to the group. I always wanted to blow something big up. Combat laughed. That's where we're going to stop at this time for this episode. 
Join me next time as we continue the story of Sea Night Down. This is Mark Bowser. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for a speaker for your next organizational event? Look no further than the host of this podcast, Mark Bowser. He's presented seminars to Southwest Airlines, Princeton University, the United States Marine Corps, Dell, and many more. Learn more about Mark speaking and other work on markbowser.com.